politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen yearning to breathe freely again to the one and only Sierra podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house, Wednesday, August 25th. And there is too much to cover, and I have too little voice, not enough voice, to get through today's show because I've been on the phone for like 24 hours straight, basically, trying to get information, trying to push policies on people who will listen to me. I will tell you, those of you who are have been with me from day one, you know I'm pretty passionate about what I believe in, whether you agree with me or not. You know I'm certainly not being put up to it by special interests or anyone else. I'm very unique in the way I express things and the type of issues I'm interested in, the way I write about things, the way I research things, truly independent and, you know, so I'm very passionate about things. I have never confronted an issue like this in my life. I have never seen this much evil. You know, speaking with doctors that treat patients in the ICU because they didn't get early treatment, of course, when it would have helped. And even then, there's diminishing options, but there are some options that have at least some good chance of, of working. And the hospital administrations are systematically going through every last thing that might help. It's almost like they studied it, just like our side did, and they ban it. They, You're only allowed to do things that harm and don't help. It is the most senseless, evil thing that has ever been perpetrated. I thought the lockdowns and masking was the most demonic thing. As bad as it was, the blocking of treatment and then juxtaposed to that stuff because it's not like they could be accused of saying, oh, well, they don't think the virus is such a big deal. Eh, kind of wait at home, whatever. No. They think it's the big enough of a deal to destroy the world over except to treat it. Now, part of the problem we have is that we have death panels. Believe it or not, we do have death panels. We warned about this with Obamacare. But when you no, no longer have independent practice and you have system practice, cartel practice, which is all bought out by the government, it's not just the cost is prohibitive and you don't have innovative ways of delivering it in a cost-effective way. It's death panels. Your options are limited. What is going on with COVID is one big death panel where they have banned all effective treatments. Now, it's very apropos for today's sponsor, Patriot Mobile. It's not just healthcare, but it's really every industry is a government, corporate, communist cartel. Mobile carriers are no different. Uh, Patriot Mobile is America's only independent Christian um, mobile provider that doesn't become a vessel for anti-American, anti-family propaganda. They have the broadest nationwide coverage. They use the same towers as all the other carriers. Um, except, you know, you could get the service without your money going to causes that will kill you and destroy the country. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service is the highest rated. Uh, you'll always get an American on the phone. More importantly, they share your values and they'll fight for you. They support, um, you know, first responders, veterans, Constitution, Sanctity of Life. Go to PatriotMobile.com CR or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code CR 
Again, veterans and first responders get an extra discount. PatriotMobile.com slash CR. Again, go to PatriotMobile.com slash CR. Call 972-PATRIOT. Don't give your money to people who hate you. So again, I, I'm i just emotionally crushed. This issue has finally gotten me. I couldn't imagine being one of these doctors that have saved over a 1,000 lives, and now hospitals are preventing them. It, it, it's not like we're at the foot of the mountain. Hey, maybe this thing might work. They know it works. They've done it outpatient forever, and some of them in the hospitals, and now the hospitals are finding out. Who is trying to treat this? They are literally like the movies where you have a maniac going around pulling out plugs in the hospitals or smothering someone with a pillow, you know, in the ICU. That is literally what is going on except without the pillow, and it wouldn't surprise me if they start doing that as well. It is worse. It, you know, some, sometimes maybe some of you think maybe I get carried away, maybe it's too much hyperbole. I do not have the words to express what is going on. It is worse than what I'm making it out to be. And a lot of you are corroborating this. You know, someone mentioned to me in Ohio, but I see this, I heard in South Carolina and Florida, all over the place. You now have doctors that are writing letters to school boards and saying, I don't want my patients, kids, by the way, in a school, in a class with other people without a mask. But these are the very same Joseph Meningala doctors, the ones that care about masking another child so it doesn't endanger their child to this virus. They'll have a 70-year-old patient with diabetes and hypertension call up and say, I got a tested positive for COVID. Please write me a prescription. And they'll tell the guy to go to hell. Whether he was vaccinated or not, certainly if he wasn't, they'll tell him to go to hell. But even if he was, and by the way, I mean, this is from Newsweek. You have an article out um, in Tennessee. A Memphis teen football player died of COVID, was vaccinated, mom says. Got no treatment. So there's two buckets. There's the ban on all outpatient treatment. And then inpatient, they're only doing things that don't work. Now, again, I don't want to exaggerate. They are giving oxygen. So, you know, that does help some people that you need out the front, but they will not do anything that works. And like I said yesterday, don't focus on any one drug. We see now it wasn't just about hydroxy, ivermectin too, which has even better results. Impeccable record. Doesn't matter. But it's about everything else. Let me give you a sense of what's going on here. Many of you might have seen yesterday the Jerusalem Post had an article $15 drug gets COVID patients off oxygen support in under a week, study says. 14 out of 15 severe COVID patients who are treated in an investigator-initiated interventional open-label cl clinical study of the drug phenofibrate didn't require oxygen support within a week, according to results from Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Phenofibrate is an FDA-approved oral medication, the results were published on Research Square and are currently under peer review. Um, and the 15 treated patients all had pneumonia and required oxygen support. They were older with multiple comorbidities ranging from diabetes and obesity to high blood pressure. 
Um, in addition to the standard of care, the patients were given 145 milligrams a day of phenofibrate. Now, phenofibrate, folks, is a very cheap drug. Tons of people are on it for the rest of their lives. Um, it's been approved since 1975. You know, it's it's one of these common cholesterol, statin drugs. Um, and it is so cheap. Now, any thinking... Now, obviously, Israel's like, oh, maybe we should use this in the hospital. Well, I got something better for you. If it works so well and people already have pneumonia or cytokine storm and have comorbidities in critical condition, and that's great, and it's criminal those that aren't using this and other similar things at that stage, but maybe you ought to prescribe it from day one when you have so many people over the age of 50 on cholesterol medication for the rest of their lives, so why not put them on it for a week immediately? And guess what? There are doctors that I know, and I could one I could say publicly because I know he doesn't mind, Dr. Ryan Cole, that that is part of his basis meaning ivermectin and phenofibrate right away, even for healthy people. People with comorbidities, he'll have antibiotics, he'll have um, either fluvoxamine, budesonide, colchicine, tons and tons of options. Other people will use atorvastatin, which is very similar. It's a cholesterol medication to phenofibrate. Which one's better? I don't have an opinion. It might not make much of a difference, but they use one, one or the other. But these are a minority of a minority of a minority of doctors. It's not just Israel. It's not just Israel. Fox News even reported a couple weeks ago, cholesterol drug reduces coronavirus infection by 70%. Team of research is calling for clinical trials among hospitalized COVID patients. So Israel did hospitalized COVID patients. But here they did, um, in the Frontiers in Pharmacology Journal, they published it. It was from... It wasn't the U.S., I'm wrong. It was the U.K. and Italy revealed that phenofibrate and phenofibric acid resulted in a significant reduction in coronavirus infection human cells when the drug was used in a safe and approved concentration. Um, so it literally stops the spread. So again, it's not just hydroxy and ivermectin. Phenofibrate is yet another one. And again, there's nothing new. It's just the media is kind of getting onto this now. But doctors have been using it for months, but they're a minority of a minority. Again, I will say it again. Phenofibrate is one of 20 things that if you believe that you have the constitutional right to force someone to inject themselves and take something to stop the spread, they now agree the vaccines do not stop the spread one iota. That is universal. Question is how much temporary serious, you know, protection from serious illness does it does it give you, assuming you didn't die or were seriously debilitated from. And by the way, I spoke to another doctor yesterday that said so many patients he's having that can't walk, they're elderly, they never had problems. There's so many subtle, devastating things that are not being captured. And FDA noted that in their approval, but they approved it anyway. But this stuff, these are the safest drugs. Again, there's probably drugs that are a little bit more like edgy that might have great results, but doctors certainly, and I can't blame them, you know, you don't want to go off label and play around with that. They are specifically picking statins, 
androgen blockers, um, you know, antiviral, anti-inflammatory, antihistamine, antiparasitic. And again, it doesn't take a genius to understand that some of that stuff is going to have great mechanism of actions against this virus that have great safety profiles, have been used forever, no problems, and they work great. So I don't want to hear this like, I heard there's problems with this drug. Well, why is it that there coincidentally happens to be a problem with every goddamn drug that will possibly work? Anything that will work. Phenofibrate, detorvastatin, inhalbudesonide, singular, famotidine, fluvoxamine, androgen blockers, quercetin, melatonin, NAC, vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, B3, B6, B9, B12, selenium. Again, and, and I'm throwing out a bunch of things. Some are more prophylactic, some are more early, some are, you know, the androgen blockers you're not going to start with, but, you know, the androgen blockers, again, you know, we really 98, 99%, we should keep all these people out of the hospital. We really should. But let's say someone is in the hospital. And certainly now, we don't yet have a silver bullet for someone on a ventilator. Ivermectin certainly works a lot better than anything they're throwing out. But what likely works even better at that stage, according to several studies so far, particularly in Brazil, where they're battling the gamma, which seems to be the most deadly, is androgen blockers. And doctors have told me they will get slaughtered. So proxalutamide is the best out there and that's not even available in America. I'm not sure if it's FDA approved or not. You could look that up, but it's certainly not available. But there are other pretty similar things that are FDA approved. They're like, we'll get slaughtered if we use that. Guys on a ventilator, bottom of the ninth inning, nothing, no choices. And again, if the guy has like organ damage already, like, yeah, I don't know what to say. But assuming there's no organ damage already, but they they just can't get him to breathe on his own because of that inflammatory response to pulmonary inflammation, the androgen blocker shut it off. Again, it's the same reason why men are much more at risk for this than women. But, you know, women, depending on the type of woman, you know, has varying levels of, of male hormones as well. You know, you have the mix in both genders. Um, you shut it off. So certainly for hospitalization, this certainly needs to be an option. We have the statins. We have the androgen blockers. We have calcidophile, which they won't allow to be used, the active vitamin D. And again, even the monoclonals, so many people are being turned away. You're not sick enough. You don't fit the profile. It, it is unbelievable. Fauci finally came out and was like, yeah, it reduces death by 85%. Oh, gee, why don't you tell us about that? Now, again, there are only certain monoclonal antibodies. And again, monoclonal antibodies, I mean, I'm all for it, but they are going to wane because they're antibodies, so they're going to wane with... Um, um, th there's only a certain type that works. The Eli Lilly ones really don't work anymore. Um, it's the same problem as the vaccines, except it's better in that at least you're getting it into them right away. And, you know... I don't want to speak out of turn here, and I don't want to dump on it. It should be an option. But again, it is experimental. Again, ironically, like they'll only approve the things 
that are experimental, but things that have a great safety profile, they'll say they have a problem. So I don't know. I mean, I've heard one of my doctors I trust does have questions about safety profile, but whatever. I don't want to dump it. I'm just trying to tell you, like, certainly things that you could prophylax on and they're oral and they're safe and they're taken every day and they've been around forever, you know, at the end of the day, this still is an injection. You have to go to a site. You know, how many people, when they get a sore throat, they're going to go and do that? And that's really what needs to happen. This is life-saving information. Earlytreatmentreport.com. Again, you go anywhere, and you will find the same story from all these doctors. It is near 100% effective. It's not a matter of any one drug. It's sane doctors that immediately use several of the cocktails that we have. It's 100% effective if you catch it real early. If you catch it midterm, it will go down to 85, 90, you know, and down and down from there. But if you are in the Northeast now, you are going to get it in a few weeks. If you're in the Midwest, you're in the wherever else. You should be bulking up on things like, um, and again, I, you know, you, you got to talk to someone competent, but all this stuff, I'm confident giving advice over the air, even as a non-doctor, because they're good for a million other things and they're over the counter. Zinc and D and C and B and, and selenium and NAC and uh, curcumin, unbelievable qualities to it, unbelievable studies behind it. Um, people I know with other autoimmune and it's funny, it's not surprising. I have a um a sister-in-law. Like she basically can't eat. I don't know how she survives, but it's I don't know if it's celiac, but it's like m several things like that. Like she has all of those autoimmune stuff and stuff with the um thyroid. I mean she she literally can't eat. Like everything's a problem for her. And it, it's it occurred later in life. I don't know what the deal is why so many more people are having these autoimmune problems. I never heard of it when I was growing up. Um, and I think a lot of people do suspect it is something with our diet and our lifestyle. But pu putting that aside, I know she takes curcumin. So it's not surprising that it has great action against the inflammatory response from COVID. Now, Daniel, it has to be marketed only for COVID, only a trillion dollars, and only from Merck and Pfizer. Okay. Yeah, I got it. I got it. So that's basically the genocide that's going on today. Our other sponsor, again, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys, constitutioncoach.com. They're having four more trips at the end of September, October, November, December. Go and see the dates to go out to Pahrump, Nevada, Front Sights Training Facility, to have the best defensive handgun training during the day, the best constitution training at night. It's the best vacation you could ever have. Guns, Constitution, fellow patriots, camaraderie. It doesn't get better than that. Um, again, I don't want to put people down. Some of you, I'm sure, are terrific. But most of you, including myself, before I started doing this, yeah, we're into guns. Yeah, we own guns. We might even carry them every day. Do you really know how to properly draw from the holster, how to win a gunfight? Accuracy, speed, clearing malfunctions. You know, it is an amazing, amazing course. I recommend the four-day 90% off. Again, go to constitutioncoach.com. So I want to get to a couple other things. Um, 
just to close the loop on early treatment, we now have this guy, Brad Geyer, on Twitter. He looks like he's a criminal defense attorney. He put out a notice of the FDA to the United States Customs. There is a report basically asking them to close customs to ivermectin. Okay? And we're hearing more pharmacies doing this. Again, all of your Republican governors and state legislators and attorneys general, they need to be alerted to this. They need to make it available. They need to find pharmacies and hospital boards that are banning it. I don't understand where this is. This is the greatest threat to our life. It's a mixture of what they're banning. They created the virus. They manipulated it. They created viral immune escape with the vaccination strategy. They made it worse. And now they are foreclosing every avenue of treating it. And they're forcing people into risky vaccines that they blood libel against our treatments when it's not true. And it's true about their garbage by their own admission. And yet it's the issue of our lifetime. Don't doubt me. The only reason why you're not seeing Australia is because the first wave of Delta was in the Southern States. When this moves to the North and moves to the North when the vaccine wears off even more, rather than come with their tail between their legs and be like, you know what? We killed a bunch of people for something that didn't work. Let's go to early treatment. They're going to come and say, we need Australia. So we're going to stare down the barrel of a virus that is problematic. And I've always believed it was to varying degrees. And now it's even worse. Foreclose any ability to treat it on your own. And continue to force people to get the vaccine, by the way, after saying it doesn't work. And kill and kill and kill. This is pure genocide. I have never seen anything this evil. Again, the stories I hear from doctors, I cannot unhear. The data and information I am seeing, I cannot unsee. You cannot recover from that. And by the way, it's a glimpse into politics They do this on many other issues, crime, economy, you name it, Obamacare, where they push genocidal policies on purpose. By the way, just so you know, just the insane hypocrisy, Dr. Peter Marks, director for the Center of Biologics Evaluation and Research at the CDC, he says, not that we're recommending off-label uses, but there is a broader potential use of the vaccines. When we have a biologics license, we're really saying that we have a lot of confidence in that product and the safety, efficacy, manufacturing information. In other words, they're basically telling people, wink, nod, use the vaccine even for people that it's not approved for. Whereas when it comes to this stuff, it could have been a miracle cure for so many ailments that are relatively similar to the way pathogens work, you know, SARS-CoV-2 works, and never had any side effects, and they're like, off-label, off-label, how dare you, no. Again, genocidal. Purely, purely genocidal. Truly unbelievable. Another point I wanted to make about the vaccines today 
is that even the degree of efficacy, one of one of the listeners emailed me, and I'm sorry I'm forgetting who it was. I don't have it in front of me, but thank you for this point. If I haven't made it enough, even when they say like the Mayo Clinic, it's 42% effective against transmission. And again, that's old data. At this point where we stand, it's being much, much, much lower. But how much of that is double dipping on people that have the vaccine but were also previously um, previously infected. So they're using the natural immunity that they deny and they're using it to juice up the data. Did they really control for natural infection and all these things? None of them did it properly, but I don't think, I don't know, but a lot of the CDC has their study out yesterday, Mayo Clinic, did they weed out people with prior infection? Because when you're getting to 40% effective, like, I don't know. I mean, in any given area, even before Delta, it was 30 to 40% had it. And maybe you could say there's a little bit less among the vaccinated. Because A, they're more carony, so they were locked down more. And B, you know, they have more of a reason to get it. But remember, I mean, to the average person that doesn't listen to this show, they, they, they think... And I know my uncle, who had a serious case of um, COVID, thinks this too. You know, thinks that it wanes, and you know you have to get the vaccine. So you have to assume a good number of the people that got the infection went and got vaccinated, and then you have all the people that you know were forced to because of their job, because of school, whatever. Remember, so many kids and young adults got this asymptomatically or barely symptomatically. They didn't know they had it. I mean, CDC's own data suggests that as of May, 42, 43% of, of uh, teenagers already had COVID. How many of them even know that? Okay? So when you go and say, oh, you know, a certain number didn't transmit, well, gee, I'll tell you why they didn't, because they have T-cell immunity. So on that point... I have an article out today. It's my top article as of now. 15 studies that indicate natural immunity from prior infection is more robust than COVID vaccines. Now, there's about 60, 70 of them by my count. And thank you, Aaron from New York, uh, for really helping collate that for me. And I was able to truncated the amount of time it took for me to research and review each one of these studies. Uh, big help. So many of you have really been a big help to me. I don't have a staff. I don't even have an intern. And I'm trying to cover as many issues as I can and talk on the phone and get information and try to understand this stuff. So that was a big help. No, I don't think anybody has put out anything like this. I said I wanted to do it. 15 studies demonstrating that natural immunity is more durable, longer lasting, um, even for asymptomatic light infections. In fact, as I explained in the piece, they are more, they, they're better off. They have better immunity, which is obvious. They had a better immunity the first time. So they're certainly, they didn't even need to come onto antibodies. The innate system just dispatched of it right away without any inflammation. <clears throat> you know, I want, I want to touch on this. It's very important. Um, I'm not going to go through it because we don't have time. But again, look it up, 15 studies, bookmark it, send it to everyone you know. 
And, and this was when we the studies thought that the vaccine was pretty effective, right? Now we don't even need what I'm putting out. It's obvious it, you know, that doesn't work. The CDC themselves are saying it doesn't work. It is an incontrovertible fact that a human being who had prior infection but no vaccine is a million times safer to be around than a person that did not have prior infection but only had the vaccine. That is incontrovertible. And yet you have so many doctors and nurses that are being fired at a time when we need them more than ever, and, and particularly healthcare workers disproportionately got it already, and yet they're viewed as a threat. It is demonic. It is evil. It is the most anti-scientific thing you could ever imagine. It is unbelievable. But one of these studies, and I'm trying to dig it up here, because it's, it's just so important, <clears throat> really demonstrates this. A lot of people are asking me this. A lot of people are very concerned, and I understand it. They're like, Daniel, I got it asymptomatically. I got it this. Um, do I need to check my antibodies? Or some people, are, they, they, their antibodies waned, and they're worried, am I immune? The answer is you're even more immune than a person who had it seriously. Now, you're, you're both impervious. But what I mean is to the extent... <clears throat> to the extent that you'll ever find a serious reinfection, that one in a million is a million times more likely in itself to be among a guy that ironically actually was kind of comorbidities, junky immune system, the T cells didn't you know work so well, so he had to come on to the adaptive humoral system of the antibodies, and those things you know caused the big fight in the system and you see the evidence of the big fight, the antibodies, that means he doesn't have such a well-working system. Now, again, he should be good, you know, good to go, but the one in a million is more likely to be that guy than the guy who was really healthy, dispatched it without anything. Um, and this is proven by several studies, but it's common sense. It's, it's pre-med molecular biology, immunology 101. Pre-med, not even medical school. It is obvious. It is 100% obvious. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. So this is a Duke NUS Medical School. It's in Singapore, but I guess affiliated with Duke. It was published in the Journal of Experimental Medicine. And they noted that asymptomatic SARS-CoV-2 infected individuals are not characterized by weak antiviral immunity. On the contrary, they mount a highly functional virus-specific cellular immune response. That's the innate T cells. Um, and, 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 and they basically, what, what, they, what they note is this. They found the, the same levels of robust T cell immunity in those with severe illness or those who recovered from moderate or asymptomatic illness. But actually, there was a difference in the sense that um, they found that the asymptomatic people had had signs of only non-inflammatory cytokines, while the people, obviously, with serious infection had signs of the inflammatory cytokines. Um, it's like the T... I'm, I'm not pronouncing the word. It's like TH1 and TH2. And the best thing is to go with the ones. This is the way Ryan... And I hope I'm not 
mixing the two up, but it's one of them. This is the way Dr. Cole has always explained it to me. Um, and, and again, this is basic immunology. They're giving you the impression that antibodies are the end all. And in fact, not only aren't they the end all, but they're actually not the ideal. They're worse. Because what you want is, so, so basically, let me give you an analogy. And, and, and Ryan loved this analogy. I, I, you got to give me credit. I'm good with analogies. So, you know, to me, I need to understand complex medical issues as a layman with analogies. So what, what your good innate immune system, the T1s, the non-inflammatory is like your delta force comes and you have a hostage situation. You got the Allah Akbar guy, you know, takes someone by the knife, is in a house. He comes in there with the flashbang, boom, one second, bullet to the heart of the guy or the head. You know, you obviously, <laughs> let me revise that. You're not going to go for a heart shot. You're going to go for a head shot. And you're actually going to learn that out at Front Sight. Um, if you go to constitutioncoach.com, join me there. You're going to go for the headshot, boom, clean shot, he's dead, no harm to the hostage, no harm to the house or the rest of the house or whatever. That's the beautiful thing. You dispatched it without ruckus, without commotion, without the inflammatory response. Those other cytokines, and this is going to be more evident in high antibody levels. High antibody levels are usually like, not always, not always, but often a big fight. You come and see bullet holes everywhere. That's the cytokine storm. Those are the people who had it bad. Where you had the B team that came in there, you know, shot up the place, machine gunned everything and everyone, damaged the house, probably injured several of the hostages, and then eventually killed the guy. That's, that's, that's the unideal immune system. When you have someone who didn't even need antibodies and didn't even need the inflammatory cytokines. That's awesome. You had the right amount of, of immune reaction without any inflammatory damaging. I mean, you need a little inflammation to, to fight it, fever and whatever, but not the damaging thing. This is pre-med molecular biology and immunology. It is better to have that. So the, if you had an easy go of it the first time, awesome. You have great vitamin D, zinc, whatever else. Your system is working great. Your innate system worked. You got it for life. You know, unless you have a major you know, change of your status or something. But even then, even sick people, it's holding up. But that's the thing. So they went like a bunch of a-holes with this antibody obsession so they used it against oh there's waning antibodies and the sick irony is now applies to their thing except with their thing it's a problem because it doesn't give most people robust even b memory cells so there's the b memory that's part of your adaptive humoral system but it like cranks out more antibodies and there's the t cells that don't need the antibodies they work on their own they're your navy seals they're your 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 first line of defense your better line of defense so, yeah, you got winning antibodies. You likely have nothing behind that. But they all are like, ha, ha, ha. Look, we, we injected people with an insane level of antibodies. Look at that. It's even better than, the, than natural immunity. That was their thing. And it's such bogus garbage. It's like someone who has built up 
perfect energy levels by being healthy, healthy diet, healthy exercise versus the guy who loads up on soda and caffeine. And I'm sorry, I'm guilty of that myself. I'm terrible at it. I'm trying to get better. Uh, the doctors I speak to are really convincing me. I've learned a lot from them. But, you know, it, it's a sugar high. It's less durable. It's more superficial. And then you crash. And that's exactly what's happening with vaccines. So it's th there's this misconception about, you know, antibody levels. Antibodies, as Dr. Stock said, it is not. You don't want to train your system to go for that. You don't want to go for that. You want to go for the innate, not the adaptive. If you need the adaptive, you need it. But you don't want to train the system to bypass the better thing and go for the more, you know, fleeting and damaging potentially and not as effective immune response. Okay? Any doctor who doesn't understand that should dig a grave and bury himself and drop dead. This is the Super Bowl of medicine, this pandemic. If you are, this is not about epidemiology. You look at Florida, Louisiana, Arkansas. They are curving, even with Delta, the same time. It's a six to eight week cycle. It saturates an area. There's nothing you can do to stop it once it's there. And then once it's not there, there's nothing you can do to get it going. It's down to zero. It is so natural, it does what it does. You cannot stop that. The one thing you can do is treat it. It's not an epidemiologist issue. It's not an infectious disease issue. It's not even a virology issue so much. It's an internal medicine. Any run-of-the-mill internist should understand how this works and how to treat it. And if they can't, they are pathetic. I am a nobody who has studied this for a few months with the help of terrific doctors. If you studied this your whole life and you don't know 10 times more than I know, you are a pathetic human being. Pathetic human being. That is the reality here. I'm going to mention one other of the 15 studies from this piece of mine. So once we've established that people with prior immunity are much more, they have much longer lasting, better immunity, they do not need the vaccine. Well, we have the study out from the UK that shows they are 4.4-fold more likely to get significant side effects than other people. Again, because your system's already primed because you experienced the spike protein. So it's like lighting a match in a, you know, right over an oven where you left the gas on without the burner for too long. It's much more dangerous for them. Not only is it unnecessary, but there's something even worse than that. A lot of you have asked me, Daniel, if I had the virus and I go and get the shot, putting the, you know, side effects aside on the efficacy level, is it going to retard, deplete, screw with my T-cell immunity? And <clears throat> I posed the question to Ryan Cole, and I said to him, wait a minute. You know, 
if you're telling me you have robust T-cell immunity and the vaccine obsessively juices up antibodies, and we know antibodies aren't as good, is this going to train your body to do stupid things, to make it more inclined to go with the knife rather than the gun, to go with the antibodies rather than the T-cells? And he said, you know what? I got to study it more, but that really my, my premonition... And, and, and again, you know, he's not going on the record. We don't know this. But I do want to tell you, immunologists from Mount Sinai and Hospital La Paz in Madrid put out a preprint. Okay, it's Mount Sinai, New York. Very, very well respected. And they looked at T-cell responses from people who were vaccinated vaccinated with prior infection, without prior infection. And they noted that in in individuals with pre-existing immunity against SARS-CoV-2, the second vaccine dose not only failed to boost humoral immunity, but determines a contraction of the spike-specific T-cell response. And they note that research has shown that the second vaccination, they're talking about the second shot, do, do, dose appears to exert a detrimental effect in the overall magnitude of the spike-specific humoral response in COVID-19 recovered individuals. So it looks like it might deplete both the humoral and the innate system. Now, I'm not going to run with this and tell you that it's necessarily proven, and if it, even if it is, it's a nut, It's to the extent that it will deplete your... And, and, and make it that you're prone to reinfection from COVID. The bottom line is, thank God, that's the one thing that is holding up so far, amazingly so, natural immunity. But again, it is not incumbent upon us to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that their mandatory crap is absolutely causing it. It's incumbent upon them to rule it out. It's unbelievable. The due process, the burden of proof has been flipped on its head. They get to mandate life-altering things like lockdowns, masks, and clot shots by admitting stuff hasn't been studied, but saying we're going to prove it anyway and mandate it anyway, while at the same time, they won't even allow the right to try for people with consent that have no other options, whether it's early treatment, whether it's Hospital, whether it's ICU stage where they have no other options and has great efficacy and great safety data, but to them, they still want more. Oh, it's not enough. Literally, a doctor told me he went before a board yesterday, hospital board. And the guy <clears throat> said, but, but we only know it's safe for parasitic infections. Like, I was like, you're telling me there are hospital administrators and doctors that believe that the medication knows what you have in mind, knows your intent, what you plan to use it for. Okay? Again, we're not talking about contraindications, like, like um, you know, where, where there's reactions with other medication. You know, that we all agree you could have something that's very safe, but if you're taking with another medication, we're not talking about that. It's like saying we know Tums, Pepsid, which, by the way, is great for COVID, not Tums, but Pepsid. But Tums and Pepsid, we know it's very safe. 
let's say I have a paper cut and I want to take Tums. Now, obviously, there's no mechanism of action that's going to work against it. But let, let's just say I want to do that. Are you going to say, I don't know if it's safe if you take it for that? What? The issue is efficacy. But safety? How could you say that? It's mentally ill. The best medicine was discovered by accident. It is disgusting what is going on. And I will guarantee you, folks, I will guarantee you, folks, this is not the first and only time that this has happened in medicine. It likely happens with cancer. It likely happens with other ailments. It's worse here because there's actually an agenda, a blockade on it. Whereas in other places, it's less virulent. It depends on where you are, the money, the insurance. I mean, that's old news that insurance dictates based on their agenda. We have death panels in this country. We need an agenda, and this is what I want to work with the Liberty Strike Force teams. ConstitutionAction.com, if you want to sign up to be a team leader or join a team in state legislatures, we need to change. Because again, state boards of health, a lot of it's state controlled. You can you don't need the feds to make a policy change in a lot of this stuff. We need everything we can to equal the playing level the playing field with independent practitioners, independent pharmacists, independent anything versus the cartel. It's not just a matter of cost. It's life-saving treatment. This is the biggest problem in the country right now. You literally have medicine being dictated by genocidal maniacs and not science. And mind you, they accuse us of not following the science when all we are doing is following the science. Even with, you could imagine, folks, even with the censorship, you could imagine if you didn't have it, what sort of academic literature we would have. But even with it, we have all this literature. Like, one of the points I make, you have to read between the lines, it's, it's fascinating. So some of the studies that clearly indicated that natural immunity is better, they had to couch it in a convoluted way. They're like, oh, so someone who's vaccinated with natural immunity is better off than the guy who's vaccinated without it. Dude, he's better off than the vaccine. But they had to couch it like, oh, everyone has to get it. But like this really, you have good immunity. Or like another study, several of them did this, like, Men, we see from convalescent patients an unbelievable T cell response. The you know the the cytokines, the blah, 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 um, the interferon, and the, so you would expect. Oh, so the punchline is you're you know if you have prior infection, you're immune for life, and we should leave those people alone. And even if you believe the vaccines, masks, and lockdowns work, it shouldn't apply to those people. No, therefore, this has a lot of promise for future vaccine development. I'm not kidding you. All those studies, that's what they did. That's how corrupted it is. It is so corrupt. Violates every facet, every one of the 10 principles of the Nuremberg Code. Death panel, panels. States could address this. States must address this. They can address this. Level, look at all of the obstacles Get a panel of doctors that would love to treat. 
and are being stymied, not just on COVID. That's an emergency. we got to start with that issue. But again, we need immediate orders in red states to find any pharmacy that doesn't dispense, to do everything they can to make ivermectin available over the counter. And again, I want to make it clear. As is the case with strep, as is the case with bacterial infections, a staph infection. You know a staph infection. You got a little cut. Oh, boom. Okay. You know, nothing. It's a nothing. Go and, um, you know, go and uh, just give antibiotics and you're done. What if, what if we had a policy where we said we are putting a blockade on treatment of staph infections at a non-hospital level? Well, so then people are going to wait until they're having serious symptoms. Well, when you have serious symptoms, that means that the infection is embedded in your blood system. Well, that's a whole different animal now to treat. Let me give you another analogy, Lyme disease. You know, I we've had it twice with our kids when we went away, like, you know, we did a lot of hiking and in the brush, and, you know, they had that telltale sign of that rash. Well, what did we do? Like anyone else, you immediately call your doctor, I forget what they treat it with, but you treat it, it's a nothing. But you take a cohort of a million people, let's say you had a million people, COVID's a lot more than that, it's been 100 million people, 150 million people in America, billion, you know, over a few billion people in the world. And you tell them, a million people with Lyme disease, they just got Lyme disease, don't treat it until you feel you need to go to the hospital. As you well know, Lyme disease has life altering effects, debilitating, debilitating effects, cripples people, okay? There are so many examples. Colorectal cancer, the reason we have colonoscopies is because you want to get it at stage two, but at least three. You get it at four, it's a very, very tough thing to deal with. You get it two or three, increasingly people survive very easily, assuming it doesn't come back. Thank God my aunt, my aunt, it was pretty late stage three, but it wasn't for, it hadn't spread to the other organs. And thank God, you know, she they, she got the surgery, it was tough surgery, she recovered. Um, so many examples of this. But we have the equivalent, you know, colonoscopies, you do what, once a year, once every other year, depending on your age. And they're really a, uh, uncomfortable and annoying we have simple tests that they're making killings off of, testing everyone under the sun. And you even have rapid at home. Give everyone a stock of free rapid tests and you're in an area freaking, I mean, again, if we're going to be crazy about it to mass kids and destroy lives, then be crazy about it to help people, to treat people. Test and, tra- and treat, not test and trace. They themselves are saying everyone's going to get it. It's not a quarantinable virus. It was never an epidemiologist issue. It was an internal medicine issue. Shame on these people. Any internist, any pulmonologist, any, um, you know, cardio specialist that takes a look at this and like, Yeah, we don't know how to treat it. No way to treat it. 
Again, you know I'm a fiery conservative independent, not a Republican. Independent conservative. But we have people of all persuasions who listen to this show. You might disagree with me on some issues. But the content I presented today, it is incontrovertible. There is no way to argue on what I'm saying. Because by their own admission, increasingly, even people with with the vaccine are going to need more and more, are going to need treatment. How is it that it is being blocked? And again, the few things that they'll experiment with and sometimes allow is only at a critical illness level. It doesn't make any sense. Imagine if we had a simple painless test to test for every form of cancer every day. Imagine if we had such a thing like that. And therefore, we had the benefit of catching 99.9% of cancers at its infant stage, inchoate stage. And we said to people, you know what? Go home, and until you have severe symptoms, go to the hospital. I don't understand how you have these conservative talkers colleagues of mine in this industry that will never broach these issues. They'll either ignore it or some, some of them are downright shaming people into the vaccine, just like they shamed people into mass and lockdowns last year. And now they're suddenly, when that's been debunked, they're suddenly on board with that. But then, you know, now that the fight is the vaccine versus early treatment, nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. And again, I don't want you guys to get fooled by any one drug. No one is saying that there is any one drug alone that's going to cure 100% of people 100% of the time. But here is what we can say. Is that if you have a sane and competent doctor, which I myself know a few dozen of them now, and you go to them at the first sign of trouble where we have the ability to do that on this virus more than anything we've ever had, and you give them a call, it is 99.5% chance you will not get critical illness from it. And what that means is they're going to talk to you like any doctor should do, and they'll find out your status, your history, your timeline with the virus, what sort of symptoms you're experiencing, and they'll use their freaking brain and the gift that God gave them with the knowledge they've acquired to do a multiple compound cocktail with a multiple pronged approach. It is, this is what you do with anything else. Yet it is less than 1% of doctors, well under 1%, that are doing that. Again, We don't need to imagine what it would look like. We could look at their patients. We could look at Uttar Pradesh in in India, where it's, it's 240 million people, very poor, and they dumped ivermectin. But there's a guy who has a video out. I would have played it, but, you know, it's an Indian guy. He knows English very proficiently, but, you know, they have a certain accent. It's hard to play on air, where he speaks beautifully about what they did. It wasn't just ivermectin. It was, again, a philosophy of nip it in the bud, prophylaxis, multiple things. They got everyone on doxycycline early. 
a lot of people are getting bacterial pneumonia. You could see it coming a mile away. We knew that with the Spanish flu, especially if you have comorbidities. Any guy with an elevated risk level has to be given some antibiotic as soon as they get it, together with ivermectin, famotidine, uh, torvastatin, phenofibrate. Again, singular. Um, you know, if you're starting to have those pulmonary symptoms, uh, inhaled budesonide. Uh, again, there, there are so many things. And then again, we've had 18 months to bulk ourselves up on numerous things that have so many life-saving benefits anyway. And in any other context, the medical people would have played these things up and they're censoring them. They're trying to make them behind a prescription paywall, you know, intimidate people into not getting them, crush the supply chain. You tell me how this is not genocide. You tell me how there could even be naive malpractice motivations behind this. No, it's not malpractice. It is genocide. You know, 9-11, you had doctors that, not doctors, some um, firefighters that tried to find every avenue of escape to open up avenues of evacuation. And indeed, they really did, and they saved thousands of people. People don't realize, everyone thought 10,000, 15,000 people right away died when those towers collapsed. They didn't realize they got most people out. What the medical establishment, the government, the media, and all these whores are the equivalent of is someone who would go through the towers and find every way to trap and block people of every avenue of escape. What they remind me of is, um, you know, Steven Spielberg. He's like, you know, typical Hollywood leftist. But there was a period of his life where he did the greatest movies of all time. And there were Schindler's List and about the Holocaust and uh, Saving Private Ryan about Omaha Beach. Uh, and, um, you know, there's a number of things that stuck out to me about Schindler's List. It was just, just phenomenal, phenomenally well done, life lessons out of it. And there was one scene of um, the SS they were coming into Jewish homes and they would hear, you know, while they were shooting the place up, they would hear um, music in the background and they'd be like, hey, is that Bach or Beethoven? One said to the other. And, and it was so, what he was trying to bring out and it was so accurate is that they had this culture. They were very cultured, very, very, you know, upstanding people. They weren't like the Hutus and the Tutsis in Rwanda, Western, very cultured, very civilized they give off that impression while deep down they're the biggest savages that ever lived. But the other thing, too, is they would, they would shoot into the walls. They would machine gun the walls to make sure not a single person would, could, could have found a way to hide and survive. And that's kind of like what these subhuman vermin now are doing. They are literally trapping us into something that makes the virus work, doesn't work, causes a lot of people to die and be debilitated from the vaccine, from the mask, from the lockdowns, and then systematically discover and search every last thing that could possibly save people and close it off. I challenge anyone to challenge my narrative on this. I'm sorry to be redundant, but I cannot move on from this issue. So we're going to have a little bit more of this and other stuff. I do want to get to some crime stories later this week. I want to keep the show under an hour before my uh, producer kills me. So folks... Send this to everyone you know 
It's lifesavingearlytreatmentreport.com for life-saving treatment and resources, how to get a hold of some of these doctors. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. 